Welcome back to another episode of Horror Cats and Witch Hats. It's Katie and Izzy, and it's time to talk about one of my all-time favorite movies on this earth. One that I actually made my brother fucking hate, and I think it's hilarious, to be honest. <laughs> uh, hi. What's up? Hi. Um... It's been a it's been a crazy couple of days. Oh, I that was gonna fucking do that. I have that shirt too, and I forgot to change into it. Damn it. Yeah. Um, Damn it. This is our first episode where we're gonna do some video recording as well because we are trying to drop our Patreon in the next yeah, month or so. So we're gonna start video recording for Patreon followers. Um, I have on a fancy look. This is as fancy as it gets for me. You know, that's fair. I really only get ready for shows, and even then, it's like... I think the last time I did actually full makeup was my wedding. <laughs> yeah, there's no other reason so, to do makeup. It's okay. Yeah, I'm lazy. It also makes my face break out, and... Sensitive skin, y'all. I just... <laughs> kind of sucks. I have, like, super rosy complexion, and so when I... If I put, like, cover-up on, I feel like I look bad, because... I don't know, you can't see my rosy cheeks anymore, but neither here nor there. What's yeah, it, man. What's our movie? I, um, uh, this is uh, just a wonderful, another glorious, uh, glorious movie, and it doesn't make me sick. This is Hocus Pocus, made in 1993, two years before I was born, and I... I, I've watched this countless of times. This fucking movie is like my favorite thing in the world. How many times did we watch it together? Dear Lord. Every time it was on TV. Um, we watch it every Halloween. Mm -hmm. If you've never seen it. Shame on you. <laughs> Sorry. It's a, it's, it's such a classic. It makes, it breaks my heart when people don't know what this movie is. And if you don't like it, um, don't listen to us anymore. <laughs> Just kidding. You can have an opinion. I'm going to disagree with it. 100%. I will I will say you're wrong, but that's... I I know people that don't like this movie and think it's dumb, and I say I was in the perfect age range for this movie to be the most magical thing on Earth, so... You know. So... So let's... let's you wanna get, let's, let's get into this. <laughs> uh... This film was originally supposed to be titled Halloween House, according to earlier script versions. I, I they changed. I'm it. glad it's yeah. I was gonna say Halloween House just doesn't sound like as as like drawing to a movie, um, but it also isn't circled around like the Sanderson's like house or anything like. Although I will say I live in um in Max and Danny's house. I would I know people that own that house and it, it I'm so jealous of those people. It's a really neat house. Yeah, I just want Max's room with that like light tower or uh lighthouse lookout kind of thing. Um, but I agree, I don't think it's really like it's not like haunted house, you know, it's not focused on a specific place. So, right, exactly, exactly. I agree with the title change. So, uh, that that year was also a great, great year for movies. Yes, it was the year you would, you would know, <laughs> maybe it was a month after I was born. 
Yeah. See? Um, so in that year, we got Nightmare Before Christmas, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, The Firm, The Fugitive, Adam's Family Values, Groundhog Day, Sandlot, Mrs. Doubtfire, Robin Hood, Man in Tights, which is the best version, Rudy, Sleepless in Seattle, Free Willy, great movie. Uh, my favorite version of The Three Musketeers. Yes, mine too. Cool Runnings, of course. And Homeward Bound, Body Snatchers. There were so many good movies that came out that year. Yeah, man. There's also Jason Goes to Hell. I don't know what that is, but it's a Jason movie. Oh, yeah. 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 Apparently, that's the one that says where he gets the source of his powers. I didn't realize he had powers. It's like that he can't he can't die. Um, and he ha- he seems to have like speed when he just sits there and walks and uh, he's really strong um, but I wonder if it's more like he can't die or he keeps coming back to life or something like that honestly I don't know a lot about Friday the 13th so at some point I know we're gonna end up covering it but I don't have the balls to do 10 fucking movies in a row again right now <laughs> I imagine it's probably like Halloween where they tried to use like the rune symbols um, to explain why Michael oh, is yeah, it gets weird, and then there's Michael X, or Jason X, where they uh, where they they send Jason to space. It's it's like Leprechaun. It just gets worse and worse. Well, I wonder well, if all of them actually, but fights the Leprechauns in space. That'd be fucking hilarious. Anyways, back to the movie. Um, I mean, I mean, technically, that year, not this year. I'm sorry. Uh, you know. 20, 20, 1993, 30 years ago. <laughs> I can math, you guys, I swear to God. Uh, God, that's... Ew, Izzy, why are we old? I don't like this. Anyways, we grew up with some great movies and TV shows because uh, that year we got Frasier, X-Files, Boy Meets World, one of the best shows ever, uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Walker, Texas Ranger, and of course, Bill Nye, the, sti- the science guy started. <laughs> Quick look uh, at Lost Lands. Somebody did, I don't remember which DJ it was, but they did a uh, Bill Nye, the science guy song remix, and it was phenomenal. I loved it. I like that he's uh, having like his second, his renaissance right now, I guess. I I got to see I did get to see Bill Nye live uh live at EDC. He did the EDC opening in 2019 and I got to see him live. That was a uh, That was so strange. <laughs> it was great, but it was so strange. Um but 1993 apparently was apparently was the shit. So well done for being born on the right year, Izzy. I uh was 2 years late. Um this movie was directed by Kenny Ortega, who also directed the High School Musical movies. Uh, filmed in Utah. He at also... East Hollywood High. I... Hmm? East, East High? Is that what it is? Is that what you said? East. Oh, yeah. East High. I'm sorry. Not East Hollywood High. That's a whole different school. I advertise for them for work, and so like it's like it flows out rather than just the right school. Um, but he did High School Musical movies, the Descendant movies. He also, uh, he so he started out as like a choreographer, which is kind of how he got into these specific movies. 
Uh, but he also directed the music video for Selena in 1997, which is really neat. Um, one of the reasons he is a favorite of Disney is because he used to do choreography and they have like musical numbers most of the time. So he's right. also done choreography for Cher, Madonna, Neil Diamond, John Elton, Olivia Newton-John. He did the Let's Get Physical video for her. Let's get physical, physical. Yeah, sorry. Um, I know I can't sing, but you know, that song just gets, it'll, that'll be stuck in, the, in my head for the rest of the day. <laughs> he is probably the more like wholesome director that we've ever covered. Because pretty much everybody else is like, I do horror movies and that's my niche. But he's yeah. very Disney family-oriented films. Um, yeah. I think he is also currently working on what might be a Dirty Dancing remake that's supposed to be coming out in 2026. Interesting. Yes. That'll, okay. Dirty so, Dancing. I feel like that, that one just does not need a remake. It's just such a good classic i agree it's like footloose got a remake but it should not have been done no 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 um i think this is kenny ortega's like first big movie that he did and because this film for some reason wasn't a hit when it came out and it took a few years for it to like really get a fan base and a following he was like really concerned that he just like tanked his career with this movie and that no one was gonna pick him up after this but he so surprised how bad this tanked, but like at the same time, you know, I, I, I grew up with it as a classic. I did not know that it came out in '93. I thought it was much more recent than that. Like not. No, I knew it was obviously. older than I was, but I didn't realize it was that old. Yeah, I, I, I completely knew it was older than I was. <laughs> I, uh, I knew exactly where this movie was on the blockbuster shelves you know, back in the day when we had Blockbuster and Hollywood videos. Um, and I'd go straight there because I was allowed to rent one movie every so often. And that would be the movie, that or Watcher in the Woods, which, dear Lord, that movie scarred me for a long time and I loved it. Uh, so, back to the movie. It was written by David Kirshner. Krish- uh, Sorry, I, feel, I, I always screw up the uh, SCHs. But uh, he also worked as uh, the producer on a movie that I pretend is not in my head at all and never created in this earth, and I'm never going to talk about it, which is Hocus Pocus 2. Uh, he's also done some other wonderful things um, and worked on things like Chucky, um, since Child's Play, the 1988s, 1988s, in 1988, for Same which thing. he was listed Today. as... Right, right. Uh, but he was listed as creating the Chucky doll, which is super cool. Um I used to... Do you remember my Chucky doll? I know we've talked about it before, but do you remember when I had a Chucky doll? I think I tried to steal it one time. Multiple times, actually. Uh, I do remember that. It was... <laughs> I don't know why we loved it so much, and I know my mom was just scarred by it. I think I just wanted it because you had it, and I just was always so jealous of everything that you had. And you, I think, liked it because it was a ginger like you. Probably. It was a it was a creepy doll, but it was dope. I loved it. I I wish I still had it to be honest. But you know, when you go through those phases of, no, I don't want this. Fuck it. Whatever. Well, you didn't know the significance of it at the time, so that's you get very, a pass that's true this too. Time. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> uh, the uh, other writer for this was Mick 
Garris, who went into directing after this with a focus in the supernatural and horror genre. Uh, He worked on movies like Freddy's Nightmares, The Nightmare Begins Again, uh, Sleepwalkers, and Psycho 4. Very interesting. Did a lot of uh, sequels and things like that. Would you consider those like good ones in that franchise? Um, if I remember correctly, let's see, Freddy's Nightmares, that was a TV, yeah, it was a TV show, um, and, you know, a lot of people said they liked it. I never watched that. I want to know if I can watch it anywhere. That would be cool. There's a, uh, and then The Nightmare Begins Again. I don't know that one. So the answer is no. Okay. No. <laughs> Uh, and then anything that goes up to four at this point, I feel is probably not the best thing in the world. <laughs> Land before time. Gosh. Okay, well, that's 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 a whole different situation, but, you know. Yeah, I don't know any of those. So, uh, the last person, or last writer that's uh, credited on here is Neil, I think it's Cobert? Cobert? <laughs> like cupboard or do you think it's covered <laughs> uh yep. he has it's a covered. he has a yeah okay yeah he has a very small career in writing um so he didn't have a lot of listed that we know of uh, or at least i know of but <sighs> so everyone knows that this movie is like knows what this movie is about what happens in great detail so it's not like we're going to spend too much time on that on that like frame by frame like we kind of used to um unlike you know hereditary but that was a that was a grand old time <laughs> i'm gonna try and do my best betty midler flourish but now i can't bet, remember how she does bet it midler let bet me midler. let me just I'm sorry what did i bet say midler. betty it's, oh. it's i know i know it's b-e-t-t-e i know it is but it's bet midler i'm obsessed with this lady she's one of my favorite favorite women on this earth <laughs> in my head i say bet but because i was reading it i said betty <laughs> that's fair that's i get it it's okay good catch um Thanks. she says tis time <laughs> yeah good i liked it looked good beautiful so hocus pocus is a story about three witches the sanderson sisters who are played by bet midler kathy najimi and of course sarah jessica parker uh, they are all hanged in Salem, Massachusetts in 1693 and accused of witchcraft, which obviously they were doing as you watch them suck the souls out of the children, and turned the uh, local boy uh, Thackeray, T-H Thackeray, not Zachary, but Thackeray. I correct everybody on this, cause even on air, like I had to do it with Carrie Bologina. Uh They turned him into a black cat, and everybody knows the, the spell to it, and if you don't, it's a good spell, learn it. Oh, we'll go uh, over it. It's okay. Yeah. Upon their death, they did curse that they would be resurrected on All Hallows' Eve if a virgin lit the black flame, can- black flame candle. Uh, so 300 years later, uh, the exact thing happens, and the sisters are brought back to life to modern-day Salem by Max, who was played by Ar- uh, Omari Katz, who was quite the hit back in the day. You know, good-looking kid. <laughs> no? I said, Rrr. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Max Max spends his Halloween trying to uh, cast his or the sisters back to hell with the help of uh, his little sister, Danny, who is played by Thora Birch. 
who I always dreamed of being as well. And I still want to make an exact replica of her costume her because I'm obsessed with it. costume is adorable. It's the best thing in the world. It's always been one of my favorites. And I am going to do a recreation of it, like, cosplay style. So it's going to look fucking legit. And I'm going to wear it all the time. Also, it looks like something an elementary school teacher would wear on Halloween, which is part of the reason I love it so much. You know, there you go. Uh, also, his new girlfriend that happens that night, Allison, who's played by Vanessa Shaw, and Binks, the uh, Thackeray, who was turned uh, into the cat by the boy, uh, or by the... <laughs> Let me restart that, I'm sorry. Binks, which is the black cat who is uh, who's that boy that was turned into the cat, it, uh, he's wonderful. Then, later on, you meet Bo uh, Billy Butcherson, who's the zombie that is Winifred's ex-lover, who... And Sarah is still excited to see when he gets brought back to life. So that's played, but he's played by Doug Jones, and Doug Jones is known for being in a lot of horror movies as a very beautiful body, uh, scary creature. He he knows how to use body movement very well. I actually learned a lot from haunted for haunted housing um, from his movements and sh and stuff like that. For this um, film, he did a lot of because they didn't really have like. CGI and stuff like that going on a whole lot back then um, he did a lot of weird things so like he kept a balloon in his mouth to be like the dust coming out um, he put he had a net kind of a thing in his mouth so when he opened his mouth and the moths come out those were legit just like in his mouth fluttering a boot yep um, he's he does some crazy stuff and he's willing to do it and, and it looks fucking great he's I mean, a beautiful actor it i'd love to meet him even better because it's not cgi'd or anything like that right it's part of what makes this movie so awesome yeah so they successfully prevent the sisters from eating any children's souls and they cast them back to hell for the rest of eternity um and and that that that's our rundown of this movie because everybody knows it and if you don't just go watch it it's worth every second exactly um, and there's not, it's not one of those movies like Hereditary where there's a whole lot of like uh, Easter it's, eggs it's, and like little things. It's a kid's movie. It's so. it's pretty much right there in front of you. Yeah. Um, I think it's also very important that we mention the costume designer for the Sanderson sisters outfits because those oh, have become yes. so like iconic. Um, and that was Mary Vaught. Mm -hmm. She also worked on costume designs for Men in Black and Tim Burton's Batman Returns, which is the Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer Catwoman version, and yep. as Danny DeVito as the Penguin. She worked with the Three Witches and Kenny Ortega to create their looks. The whole goal was to not make them like the typical black, wearing black, boring witches. They wanted color, they wanted personality, all that jazz. They're... They did perfect. They I did agree. perfect. So for Winifred's, um, her like over coat thing has a bunch of symbols mm -hmm. embroidered or sewn onto it yeah um, she did say in an interview with glamour that they paid special attention to make sure they weren't accidentally using any real symbols that were something like evil or demonic or something so like the opposite of Ari Aster who's like fuck it put it in there <laughs> yeah exactly um she said that the symbols that they did use for the robe are from the rune alphabet, and some of them are inspired by Stonehenge, but then they added, like, additional lines and circles and stuff to it just to make them unrecognizable, but that's kind of the mm -hmm. basis for them, which is pretty neat. And, 
Yeah. I, I will I will have to say I do have uh, my aunt and I made a custom Winifred Sanderson costume for myself because uh, she is she is my my person uh, always has been uh, and it's pretty close it's not exact it, um, but I do that's another costume that I plan to like almost recreate exact if I can I know my aunt wants to recreate it as well so I'm like let's fucking do this <laughs> when Katie says Winifred is her person. This is what she means. And if you have the video, you'll know. Katie doesn't know because she can't see the video feed. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, boy. Let me see. What did you do? Oh, I can't drop it into Discord either. I've sh I have some memes that I pulled up to share as we go. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, I love it. I can't drop it into Discord because it'll mess up the video feed, but that's okay. You'll get, you'll just have to watch it. So Okay. Thanks. Uh, yes. She also marries a fantastic, oh, uh, oh no, now that I'm talking about her, I can't remember her name. Moulin Rouge costume. Satine. Satine dress. Oh, oh yeah. I was thinking Nicole Kidman, but. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so, uh, Mary said this, sorry, messed that up. Rewind. Sarah Jessica Parker's outfit was based on Sleeping Beauty because she was kind of like the princess witch and she like sings and she's beautiful and not they're all beautiful, but she's like supposed to be the like pretty one um, with her long hair yes. and everything. Uh, she also the pretty does, ditzy one. That's the, yeah. the old school pretty ditzy one. <laughs> she does the singing and the dancing. And when she sings, children come instead of animals. Um, I walked down the aisle to her song. It was just an acoustic version of her song. The piano version, actually. Is that still considered an acoustic version? What are they called? Instrumental. I think it's, that's an... Yeah. It's called it's, it, I think it's just the piano version, because it is... That one was just the piano, but it might have... It may be instrumental. It is an instrument. Anyways. Uh, nevertheless, it's called Come, Come Little Children, and uh, it's it's quite the... Everybody knows the song, I feel. Um, but yeah, and so Mary's costume, the other Sanderson sister, was based mm -hmm. on like a cook or a baker because she was the one who was in charge of mixing the potions. Um, that's why she's got the plaids and stuff like that. So yeah, that was the idea behind theirs. They were just so beautifully done. All of them. Every, every costume, it just had the right touches, the right colors. It was just beautiful. And ultimately, they were all inspired by fairy tales and drawings of the Spanish Inquisition by the artist Goya, who's pretty well known in the art world. I did not have the forethought to share any of those pictures. Uh, but yeah, if you want to read, I can look them up. Okay. Uh, she also designed the look for Billy Butcherson, which is actually based on the black and white drawing of Ichabod Crane, uh, which is really cool. And actually, that makes a lot of sense with like what I what he is wearing. I I love it. You I can, uh, like picture it when you hear it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I I actually helped uh, recreate a Billy Butcherson for a costume that I did way back in the day, um, and I I think it turned out pretty fucking cool. I'll, we'll we'll show a picture of it later, but. Mary says that she ran out of, like, a wardrobe budget by the time that they were done with the witches. So Billy and Danny, uh, well, done with the witches, Billy and Danny. Uh, so she went to 
the Disney costume vault and grabbed a bunch of stuff for like the Halloween party scene. So all of those outfits are used in like other Disney works, which such now I just want to go like back and see. I wonder if it's Allison's dress is used in anything like specific that you would be able to recognize. So I was I had gone through and I was trying to see if I'd recognize anything. The unfortunate thing is we're talking about nineteen ninety three. So Yeah, that's true. It's not necessarily a lot of stuff we know now. But they used things like um the teapot from Beauty and the Beast is in there and they didn't have to worry about like infringement rights because it's a Disney movie. You can mm-hmm. see um she said she grabbed like the three red sequin dresses that they had used in something previously and she was like okay we'll make them the Supremes. So there's definitely a lot of like Alice in Wonderland characters that you can see at like the adult party. Um, and then they tried to kind of mix some of the other ones up so they weren't necessarily super recognizable, but I think it's costumes that aren't necessarily from like big movies so much as it is like shows that they've done and like musicals and things like that. That's where my absolute came from. My absolute favorite is her mom's Madonna costume. What are you supposed to be? Madonna. She has her hand on her head. Oh my gosh. Good times. (laughs) I don't know how she got inspired by these because there's not a whole lot of them like that feature really noticeable women that look different. I think it's mostly just the style, like with the skirts being tucked and the layering and the corsets and stuff that she pulled from those Goya images. Um, and then Ichabod Crane, of course, is scrawny, tall, the pantaloons, mm-hmm. the overcoat, <laughs> jazz, the 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 flurries at the at the wrists. The cuffs, that's what they're called. I'm a costumer. I should know these things. Um, She also spent a lot of time on Danny's costume that we've talked about already because she wanted it to look homemade and not store-bought. And it was supposed to be unique, but also supposed to set her apart from the other witches throughout the film. Um, Because a lot of the other little kids are dressed like the Sanderson sisters when they dress up for Halloween, she's the only one that's like a unique kind of witch that you see. Yeah. Um, I have a, I have a sweatshirt or not a sweatshirt. I have a flannel that's from box lunch. This is, um, it's a full moon outside. The weirdos are out and it has Danny embroidered on the collar. And it's one of my favorite flannels to wear like ever. I'm offended. You didn't wear it today. I can run and grab it. You know what? Fuck it. You talk. I'll be on my toe. I'll be right back. (laughs) Okay. Let's make fun of the mess that Katie just revealed now that she's not covering it. Uh Okay. Anyways, my room will be equally as messy because we just don't have our stuff yet. So we'll get there. But for this episode, instead of going into great details like we've talked about, we are going to focus on the witchcraft that's included, the behind the scenes, and some theories that people have for Hocus Pocus. So to start, we're going to do a... Oh, Katie's back. Um, so which one do you want? This beautiful Danny one? Or my Danny lookalike cardigan? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> Am no I mas- obsessed? A lot. Por que no mas dos? <laughs> so we all know that the Salem witch trials were real we covered it in our Jane Doe episode 
But a quick recap, so in 1692 and 1693, townsfolk in Salem, Massachusetts, this was happening all over the world, but specifically Salem, Massachusetts was during that time, they accused more than 200 people of witchcraft and executed, I've seen 20 to 25, depending on where you look. This was not limited to just women, although they did take the burn of it. One man was slowly crushed to death by stones. It took a couple days, I think. They just like laid stones on him till he died. That sounds terrible. That's like the worst way to get stoned ever. I don't recommend that. <laughs> I feel like there's only Sorry. one good way to get stoned, so... Yeah, and it's not that way. Don't do that. <laughs> it was not biblical, that's for sure. No. Uh, so the Sanderson sisters are fictional, as is their cottage, uh, but there were three sisters that were accused of being witches in 1692. Uh, Sarah Cloyce, Rebecca Nurse, and Mary Eastie. Estie, I think. You're right. Estie. Uh, Cloyce escaped, but Nurse and Estie were ultimately hanged, which is unfortunate. Um, there's another instance I'll talk about later that's another story of three women who were hanged. Because why not just do three of them at the same time? You know. It's the magical number. You just, you gather, everyone's there already, just knock it out. They don't have to walk home and walk back. It just saves time. Yeah. Fuck it, right? So, That's so fucked up. <laughs> I know. It's okay. They've all been acquitted and their money or their families got financial restitution because that makes it better. Right. No. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, it blows my mind that we had to like, year, like centuries later, be like, yes, your family member is not accused of these crimes anymore. They are not witches. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Here's so, some uh, money. Yeah. Anyways, uh, some magic and symbols in this film. First, I want to talk about witches eating children. And I think we kind of touched on this in another episode. I just remember talking about like Baba Yaga specifically. but um, I think it was Conjuring. Right? Have we done it, that movie? We Book. did kind of. I don't think it was in that movie. It might have been Jane Doe where we talked about Baba Yaga. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's not important. But according to the article, A Not-So-Brief History of Witches, Cooking and Eating Children, written by Lillian Stone, the first mentions of supernatural and cannibalism came about during the Middle Ages, which lasted about 1,000 years and ended in between 14 and 1450. Uh, the Sorry, this basically was just like a super fucking dark time in Europe, full of food insecurity, disease, and war. Not a well, good time I can't eating. imagine. I can't imagine eating another human would uh, be great for not spreading diseases. Um, I mean, that's not. I, I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just a bad idea. Was... Don't cannibalism. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, that's our survival tip for this week. Don't cannibalize. Yeah. Um, you could also potentially turn into a Wendigo because another place where food insecurity was leading to stories of cannibalism was in North America among indigenous peoples who believed that such things like cannibalism would turn you into a Wendigo. So just don't do it. Yeah. Negatives all around. Yeah. There's no <laughs> good thing that can come from it. I'm just saying. No. Um, and maybe you're like not hungry for a minute, 
but then you have to do it again and it's like ugh, the amount of effort it takes it's not worth it yeah man so back to the middle ages we can hearken to the possible roots of hansel and gretel which is from the baltic region or like germany kind of area um during the great famine of 1314 Historic Mm -hmm. UK reports that during this time, climate change associated with volcanic activity in Southeast Asia and New Zealand was causing this big famine. That's part of it. Uh, So in turn, it led to crop failures, mass starvation, which resulted in more stories of cannibalism. The website, oh, that's interesting, cites an Irish historian who wrote that starved peoples were extracting bodies from cemeteries and quote, dug out the flesh from the skulls and ate it, and women ate their children out of hunger. Um. Mm, Not even gross. Like fresh bodies. It's like been buried and rotting bodies. I feel like that's like some, that's, that's, that's necromancy right there. They're going to start doing some necromancy shit with that. Um, but also, I guess they weren't like embalming people back then. They were just throwing them into graves. Just, just letting them decomposed by themselves you know that's like not the worst thing in the world though because then you just become the earth (laughs) but eating it afterwards oh yeah no that's fucking gross no that's that's a whole different story that's that's um yeah i mean it wouldn't be good to eat an embalmed body either because all the chemicals but whatever just don't eat bodies it's okay (laughs) you and i are safe because apparently cannibals don't eat people with tattoos because you're yeah because they like, taste bad yeah it's like tainted, uh so that was that was a ted Bund- not ted bundy uh manson wasn't it there's a french Who the fuck cannibal said that? that wrote a book and it's in that book there's also a one of the serial killers that eats people says that too and i can't re- fucking remember Is who it, it was Dahmer in my yeah 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 thank you I'm getting all my fucking murderers so mixed many. up. It's okay. But anyways, fucking serial killers. Yeah, that's like a common belief among them, so we're we're good. Hell yeah, got a lot of tattoos. Cool. Um, another article called Hansel and Gretel, What's Up with Cannibal Witches? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> that's the title of it. On the blog Love it. Snow White writes, talks about how the famine in Germany that was taking place during this time led to many parents either selling their children or abandoning them rather than watching them starve, which is something that's happened a lot throughout history. That's not like a unique circumstance. Mm -hmm. Um, But I guess during this time, it was also like very punishable to kill your child, like infanticide. Um, It's just punishable everywhere. But like if a woman was pregnant and then came back and was no longer pregnant and was like, oh, I had a stillborn, but she couldn't like prove it or something they would severely punish her. But the men, not so much. No, of course Um, not. Yeah. So I think what happened was women or mothers were like trying to put their children in other situations, like selling them into some sort of house for slavery or working or something or abandoning Mm -hmm. them at like a church or an orphanage. And then people would be like, oh, where's your child? Oh, you must have eaten them because they're not here. So... that was part of because you know what else would you jump to like your skin yeah you must have eaten your child Mm. with those hips (laughs) 
my gosh that's quite the, the quite the jump the my hips. lord <laughs> oh man i mean what else did they have to do uh but yeah so pretty much all of that accumulated into witches and witch hunting and all that fucked up jazz so recap from jane doe that in 1486 catholic clergyman henrik let me see if i can it might be heinrich kramer maybe published the malleus maleficarum or witch's hammer which was used to guide inquisitions and witch hunts for many a century Sweet. and in it we can find three specific habits that were among many that were used to identify witches which we also covered a bunch of them in jane doe but i don't think we talked about these ones okay and um pretty much the sanderson sisters fit most of these so that's fun um number one roasting their firstborn male child okay we didn't see that happen in this film but who's to say it didn't happen you know this is a disney film <laughs> if this right. was hbo film we would have seen it <laughs> 100%. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, so uh, that's one of the first things. Apparently that was common. I don't know. Um, it does happen in The Conjuring, so... Yes. Beth At least there's, there's that one that follows that suit. <laughs> and side note, in Greek mythology, the goddess mother of Persephone, whose name I can't remember, but I think it starts with an H, um, held a male baby over the fire as like the hearth because she was the goddess of hearth and seasons and all that jazz um but she was interrupted by the mother at some point and they were like give me my baby back and where she was holding it was the foot because she was dangling it into the fire and because it got interrupted that one spot did not get the goddess treatment thus making it his weak spot and he grew up to become achilles so uh, but it, it's it's uh demeter by the way that's that's her mother's you. name it's is almost demeter. an h <laughs> <laughs> i took a lot of greek mythology in high school and so and uh and college and so that's uh that's one that's embedded in my head because persephone's also hades lover and hades traps persephone in hell uh, calling her a lover when she's trapped is a little different. right well yeah that's yeah it's a whole different scenario but uh, anyways, but yeah, so it's not necessarily bad all the time <laughs> to have your baby roasted <laughs> all, all, all the time. Um, uh, the next one is making packs with the devil. And this is how the Sanderson sisters got their magic in their book. Um, it also still applies to Bathsheba from The Conjuring. Cause she mm -hmm. like makes her pack before she hangs herself or whatever. Um, also, just to note, these are all things that nobody ever saw them doing. It was just stuff that they were like, yeah, I bet she did that. Or they forced them to confess to. Right. And then number three, depriving men of their vital member. And I'm wondering if they meant physically like cutting the dick off men or if it was like you rejected my advances. Um, therefore, you are a witch. Um, it's like the, the, the Lorena Bobbitt, the lady that cut her husband's penis off. He became <laughs> like, a porn star. That happened in 1993. That worked out for him, so it's okay. Fun fact. That's still gross. I like to think um, that he starred in 
porn's like Franken porn. Franken do me. <laughs> please, please stop. Uh, I fucked Frankenstein. <laughs> but anyways, um, so that's not something you see in The Conjuring or that they talk about. But I'm sure if Bathsheba had given the chance, she would have cut off her husband's dick. Oh, you bet. Um, but also, I think that the Sanderson sisters have a history of it, given some of the lines that they say, that, like, Sarah says throughout the film, and their, like, historic relationship with men hasn't been so great. So, right. I don't doubt that that's something they've done. I mean, Winifred did kill Billy, technically. And then Sarah says something about, like, I can't remember the line specifically now, and of course I didn't write it down, but she says something that makes me think that she's done that before and they are known for like murdering people and hiding the bodies or something that's like part of their lore so do you remember what part she was talking about where she was talking i can probably like pull it out of my head i know this movie way too fucking well Um, i want to say it's when they have the two bully teenagers she says something but it's she wants to play with them (laughs) um it's neither here nor there. It's They did it. It's been done. Anyways. So, yeah. Witches, yeah. No. But like Katie said, you see <laughs> them use a potion and suck the life out of a child, so we didn't need proof. Yeah. And in 1612, before the Salem Witch Trials, there was a trio of women living in Lancashire, England, who were accused of witchcraft um, by real-life twat Grace Sourbutts is her name. I love it. make that up. That's her name fucking love it and the fact that she was 14 has no weight on her level of twatness um twatness has no age boundary so she claimed <laughs> that women had led her around the that i'm sorry so um sour butts claimed that <laughs> women these three women had led her around the countryside making her dance and quote fornicate with strange black creatures lovely does England have bears? I wonder if she was fucking bears. Who knows? I'm pretty sure they do. Not that a bear would let that happen, I guess. But uh, she also <laughs> claimed that the women had broken into nearby house and proceeded to murder a sleeping baby by sucking its life out through the navel. Finally. Oh, like a straw. Yeah. They were like. <laughs> it's like. It's like end. a. It's the way that I punch a. a um. A, uh, not a Kool-Aid, but a Capri Sun. Yeah, because you know I never, I never go from the top. I always punch it in the center. But you can never get them in, and the straw bends. And so... dude, I get judged for this so much by my friends because I stab it in the center. People are like, "You're fucking insane." I didn't. I I thought that was normal. <laughs> I just use scissors and cut the corner off and pour it into a cup because <laughs> I get tired of the stupid straw bending. <laughs> that's that's fair. That's fair. Um. But yeah. Anyways, uh, she was also she also claimed that they dug up the baby's body afterwards, boiled and roasted it, and that seems like something they could have fact checked. Like, hey, where did this happen? Hey, lady, did these people kill your baby? But also, where's the grave? Let's dig it up and see. But I'm sure they didn't. They were just like, yeah, this twat's telling the truth. They just fucking roasted it up like a Thanksgiving turkey. <laughs> just like on a little spinning spit, just. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> it didn't happen. It's okay to laugh about it. It's not real. Yeah, it's not real. Didn't happen. Um, 
They did, however, I guess, have the forethought to set aside a few bits of the baby to mix into their signature flying ointment, which, just as it sounds, gave them levitation powers. Um, And it sounds like it could have been the levitation potion that you can kind of see flipped through in Winifred's book. I have like a, a cool like book it's, it's just it's just a, 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 a it's been like Mod Podge so it's like a hard book but it has like the spells in it and to look kind of like the book just laid out and so it's in my kitchen on display dude I have so much Hocus Pocus shit it is outrageous thinking about it <laughs> they hired an author who wrote like the who made the book like into a publishable thing from the second one. And some of the potions are like cute and fun, but they're not like the original. Um, And they added like stuff. I don't know. They added crap to it. So it's not as cool. Right. But don't get confused. If you see those pictures, it's not the real book. It's the selling book. Yeah. Um, But yeah. So there's that. And then there's also Baba Yaga, who, again, I think we covered before, but she is known for, like, eating children, kind of. Yeah. Or snatching children or something like that. But there's tons of different versions of Baba Yaga, so I don't think we talked about this specific one. Um, so according to Britannica, the Roman folklore of Baba Yaga is that she is an ogress who steals, cooks, and eats her victims, which are usually children. And a guardian, she's a guardian of the fountains of the water of life. She lives with two or three sisters, also known as Baba Yaga, which could, I'm sure, be very confusing. Yeah. And uh, they live in a hut in the forest that spins continuously on bird's legs. Her fence is topped with human skulls. Baba Yaga can ride through the air in an iron kettle or in a mortar that she drives with a pestle. That's cute, actually. It's like a little teacup. We need a Baba Yaga theme park, but instead of like the spinning in, teacups, it's a mortal and a pestle. In uh, in Bartok the Magnificent, uh, which is based off the bat from Anastasia, uh, they have. It's based off of. It's it. It has Baba Yaga in it, and she she rides a, a mortal and pestle. I think, if I remember correctly. But yeah. So that's our quick coverage of witches eating children. And, um, so we, <laughs> as it all leads back to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, this one decides to lead back to the, co- uh, to, to Charmed. Um, yes. the power of threes is clearly seen in this with the three sisters and, uh, you know, Charmed, they're, they're three sisters. So the conjuring says that evil uses threes in order to blasphemy the, the blasphemy, is it blasphemy or blasphemy in this? However you want to say it, I'm sure is wrong. Because I don't know if that's the right use for that word. (laughs) Anyways. I think it's blaspheme. That, uh, to the Holy Trinity, uh, there's also other significance to witchcraft, like outside of like the God-fearing religions and stuff like that. So many of the goddesses in witchcraft appear in threes, including Hecate, the goddess of magic, night, and crossroads, or the three separate goddesses that come together as the one mighty goddess, kind of like the idea of the triple moon's goddess, which... I wore a triple moon crown at my wedding. Going back to my wedding a lot in this too. (laughs) Uh, 
that the the triple moon goddess which is the the crone the maiden and the mother who are all required uh of the completion to to i'm getting ahead of myself sorry it's been a long morning i think you're doing uh, wonderful thanks um so they require the completion of the three tasks to get on their like the good side there's also the idea that whatever a witch puts out they will get back threefold which i I, I like to stand by just so you put a lot of better energies out there in the world. Um, I don't think the a... Sanderson sisters abided by that rule. N no, that was that was not one of them. Uh, that was that was, that's charmed, you know. Power power of three. The power of three will set us free. <laughs> um, there's a lot of number threes in the world, uh, like in general, just because it's all associated with being aesthetically pleasing, which is understandable. Uh, in art and film, there's the rule, like the rule of threes. Uh, the triangle is a really cool shape. It is. There's a lot of, a lot of cool ways a triangle triangle can be drawn. How how else can you draw a normal square or a a, a, a circle? They're only one one size, or well, not one size, but one shape. While the triangle is one shape, but it can be drawn in many different ways. Just saying. That's true. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I put a lot of thought into triangles, but they're, you know, a triangle is a triangle, but they're all, they could always be in different shapes, like styles, obtuse, acute, uh, normal. <laughs> <laughs> but the stories tend to repeat things in threes, uh, incantations and invocations also typically occur, occur, occur in threes, like calling Bloody Mary, which I totally did when I was a kid. Or doing not work in in the magics. I'm sorry if you just heard that. I just hit my knee really hard on the table. It's okay. There's all sorts of uh, lovely noises in our episodes. I know. I'm I'm so not sorry about it. Uh, Shakespeare's Macbeth also has three witches, which are loosely based on the three fates in Greek mythology. If you've seen Hercules, you know who they are. Uh. Their spells contain a lot of threes. Threes. So thrice the brine cat Heath. You know who used to have this memorized? Jason Jaden. She was one of the witches in Macbeth in sixth grade. <laughs> we did Taming of the Shrew. I did too. I was Kate. It was great. I loved it. Uh, so thrice the brinded cat hath meowed. I was the only one allowed to play a male. <laughs> That's hilarious. I got to slap our Baptiste. Great. Um, thrice the once, uh, thrice and once the hedge pig whined. The witches conjure three operations, uh, and each of the operations shout, shouts Macbeth's name three times. This is so hard for me to read. This is why I could never be in Macbeth. You're not even saying it like a witch. I'm. I know. Sad. That's because I can't even fucking say this in the first place. Let's be honest. Thrice the brinded cat hath mewed. <laughs> I love it. Keep going. You got this. Come on. Thrice the once the hedge pig whined. That's all I wrote down because those are the only times they say thrice in the spell. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but yeah, they call the apparitions. Each apparition says Macbeth's name three times. Mm -hmm. And there's only three murders in the story that occur on stage. And a lot of the words are repeated three times throughout. 
there's also a great discussion between the Porter and Macbeth regarding three things that drinking alcohol provokes in a person. What do you think those three things are? Um, love, hate, and uh, sickness. <laughs> If you're talking about me, it's dancing, giggles, and a lot of icky faces. Like, ew. Yeah, you hate the taste of alcohol. I mean, like, I mean, like, if we're talking personal, uh, mine is definitely dancing, um, tripping over everything, and spilling my drinks. That's why I was bought a. Uh, a cup with a lid and a straw for my bachelorette party because at my bridal shower <laughs> I apparently spilled a lot of drinks. I remember spilling like one um, or maybe that was just enough but nevertheless. <laughs> I forgot we bought you a cup. <laughs> <laughs> I still use it all the time. Oh, that was it has the it has the it's pink and has the white cat from the Aristocats and it says it's all about meow. Oh yeah. <laughs> It was at the Walmart. They had like that dollar section now. Like, uh, yeah, it was in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I loved it. I still use it all the fucking time. I'm, I'm totally not even kidding. I take it everywhere. <laughs> I'm glad. Um, yeah, I spill my drinks a lot. I'm pretty. I'm notorious for talking with my hands, so I tend to just knock them over. Um, but back to the threes. There's always, uh, there's also the, the triquatra or the trinity knot as it's seen in Charmed, which I actually have on my back, on my back tattoo. Uh, this is where the, the three lead to the center, uh, where it's all connected among the, like, a, I'm going to restart that. I'm sorry. Um, so the the three pieces lead to the center where they're all connected, which is among like some of the scenes at like the greatest point of the power. Uh, so when they're the strongest, you see that a lot of like brought together. So when they all get their powers, the whole pieces are all brought together to create the Trinity symbol. Um, I love Charmed. <laughs> I was in France recently for work, and they had Charmed on. But it was in French. But I still knew exactly what they were saying, what was happening, because I've seen it isn't, so many times. Isn't that crazy? I think that's so funny. We're, we've been notorious, as everybody knows. Charmed and Buffy the Vampire Slayer are a go-to. But some of some other important threesomes are birth, life, and death, or past, present, and future, which a lot of people will constantly talk about. So, the threes. I, I love... I love I love the numbers of three. So, like, I'm a 13 and a 31 girl. Those are my two favorite numbers. You can't go wrong with a menage a trois. That's what I'm saying. Three sons are the best. Amen. That's the way to go. Voulez-vous coucher avec moi? Oui, oui. I asked, in, in middle school, I asked my French teacher what that was, Jaden and I did, and because she knew us from outside of school, she told us. So let's get to the magic scene in the film, because we will see some of those themes carry throughout, i.e. the threes, and eating children. But anywho. Boom. So during the opening scene of the film, it's set in 19... Oh, in 1693, the Sanderson sisters' cottage is covered in red, orange, and white candles. And I don't 
know if colors have always been like a big thing in witchcraft but like now if you google anything they're like oh the colors Certain are candles, candles and colors yeah because... they all mean they always have a separate meaning yes it's based off your intention and like what you're hoping to get mm-hmm. out of it um for this film specifically i don't think they cared about that they just picked colors they liked that fit the aesthetic <laughs> but just for funsies um White candles typically are selected for their association with new beginnings, cleansing, purifications, things like that. Uh, Which, oddly enough, the black flame candle was white, so it still kind of fits because they're like a new beginning. They're being rebirthed. So. I guess. Positive ways of looking at this, I guess. (laughs) I'm sure they didn't choose that intentionally, but that worked, so. Yeah, Um, They had red candles all over the place, which represents the element of fire. Red can be used for spells that have anything to do with protection, strength, courage. It represents passion, lust, sex, as well as power. Red is really great if you want a promotion at work or if you want to exhibit authority, said this one thing. Oh, okay. Um, Sure. (laughs) Yeah, whatever you say. Sure, whatever. (laughs) I'll go with it. I'm sure the uh, young lady in, uh, what's that book called? Fifty Shades of Grey felt the same way when she was walking into his quote-unquote red room. <laughs> so. Maybe maybe it accounts for redheads. We were just always making that authoritative statement. Yeah, there you go. <gasps> sure. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. Sure, okay. Orange is the color of reconciliation and attraction. You'll also want to reach for an orange candle when in need of a bit of creativity. This candle color is sure to get you out of a rut. Okay. I just like them because they tend to smell like pumpkin. Does that count? (laughs) I'd say yes. Okay. Neat. Um, Uh, That was pretty much it for the candles, but... uh, And of course, you know, the Sanderson's... Winifred's got her book. Boo! I can't, it, I don't think it picked that up at it all. Did it. it always cuts off your like high notes, but I got the beginning of it, so. No, see, it, dumb. Anyways, fuck it. Uh, so, so she's got the book. It's the Book of Shadows or a Grimoire. Um, it's normally sewn of human flesh. A lot of people think of um, the Necronomicon, kind of in that sense, from Evil Dead. So, as Winifred flips through the book, you can catch some other spells on different pages as she goes through. Uh, one says the formulas um, along the top are followed by an incantation of uh, bright oil, pure oil, sh- uh, shining oil, and the purifying oil of the gods. Oil which softens this. Uh, is it sinews? Do you... mm-hmm. Okay. The sinews of men. Um, with the oil of the incantation of A, I want to say. E-A-A-A. <laughs> yep, just like that. <laughs> With the oil of the incantation of Marduk. Marduk? Marduk. I'm going to say Marduk. There's no E at the end. Uh, it's Mesopotamian. No one knows. It all, okay. Yeah. It also says, uh, I have made the drip with the oil of softening each, uh, which A <laughs> has given for soothing. Uh, then it cuts to another page. A. Sorry, I'm going to say it like that every time now. Uh, it might be the Mesopotamian god of water, 
that is governed with the arts um, of sorcery and the incan and incantation. He's also the father of Mar Marduk, Marduk, Mar Marduk. Uh, also referenced in that page, uh, who is the national or national god of Babylonia. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. The other big one is the life potion, which uh, breath to full rouse bubble and then add two drops of oil and boil and a dead man's toe. Dead man's toe, dead man's toe. Make it a fresh one. Sorry. I love when they're trying to remember what it is and Sarah's like, dead man's toe. And they're like, no, you idiot. Like, they just dismiss her. But she's the only one who remembers. Dead man's nose. Or maybe it's chungs. Chungs? It's nothing. <laughs> uh, so add two drops oil of boil and a dead man's toe. Next, add a dab of newt saliva, dash of pox, stir thrice. One final thing and all is oh, yeah, threes. Oh, sorry. One final thing and all, and all is done. Add a piece of thine own tongue, and then they all bite their tongues. Ow, fucking, ow! I bite my tongue in like the smallest of sense and fucking cry, and they're just like, fuck it. There goes a chunk of it. <laughs> yeah. There's. I think Winnie. I think Winnie does it the right way because she looks like she bites the side of it. I know it's supposed to look like she does, but I, I feel like that's probably the smartest idea. Go for the sides rather than, like, the tip. Just the tip. Anyways. I thought you were going to start singing, just the two of us. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, just thinking. Anyways. What movie is that in? Uh, uh, it's it's from the party. TV show. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Great. Yes. Best inappropriate animation movie ever about food. Oh, food. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so Winifred says, so what's weird is what you read is what's on the page, but what Winifred says is slightly different. Um, she says... Uh, bringeth to a full rousing bubble, then add two drops of oil of boil. Mix blood of owl with the herb that's red, which paprika, obviously. What other herb would you use? Gotta make it taste good somehow. <laughs> <laughs> um, then three times pluck a hair from my head, add a dash of pox and a dead man's toe, and then it goes on. But yeah, it's weird that what she said doesn't match what the book said. And obviously what she said is way cooler, but... Uh, Maybe, you know, like alteration, we, we alter recipes all the time. Maybe it just makes it uh, stronger or work faster or. She did the um, Half-Blood Prince. There's explanations, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like what we couldn't see was the bottom of the page where she had made little notes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, everybody does that in their cookbook. Like, so I'm going to put my tongue in there. I might as well throw some hair. So pluck them. <laughs> Even in Charm, do you see them make alterations to certain spells or, like, to pages and stuff like that and make their own? So, I mean, th there you go. You can add to your own grimoire. Make it. Discover also, spells. If any of you have a book of spells or a grimoire or something that you have created, I want to see your pages. I love Pinteresting those. Oh, yeah, I do it all the time. I, so I would love to. I would love to get some and like kind of like print them out and paste them in my wedding book, which is, uh, you know, the 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 spell book replica uh, from Practical Magic. It's so cute. It's so cute. 
It even has a real person's fingers on the side. Mm Mm-hmm. He sure does. Uh, So across the page from the uh, life potion, it says, sang a dog with pointed muzzle, sang a uh, golden-breasted marten by... Sorry, let me let me let me try this. Let me let me let me get in character really fast. Sang a dog with pointed muzzles. Sang a golden-breasted marten by his spells of hen created thereupon a hawk created. What? That's not that. <laughs> Don't question it. Just remember to the end mighty it st- with a question mark so we don't conjure anything. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Uh, but the mighty son of uh, Paja Pa. Paja, paha, by his spells of see, I, it's not going to be uh, coming into life anyway. By his spells of wolf created upon the floor, he snag. Is it snagger? Was it supposed to be saying it's snag. Oh, he snag him to devour the freshly bullock. It's fucking hard to read. I don't really understand that. Um. So. I was able to find out that this is actually an extract from a real text that is called the Kalevala, um, which is the Finnish mythological and national epic poem. So someone wrote these way back when, which is why it's like reading um, Beowulf, basically. (laughs) It's fucking hard to understand. Oh my gosh. Um, So these passages are taken from part of the story about a wizard duel and two magic users are summoning various beasts through singing spells to each other. Rad. Okay, cool, cool. I like that. It's really hard to read and makes no sense, but sure. (laughs) So when they go to the page of excruciating punishments, it says, is it, I think it's egg? Is it egg? I have no idea what it's even supposed to be, so. Cool. Uh, Amnesia, uh, aching bones, boils, bunions, is it uh, bilosness? Biliousness. Biliousness, thank you. Uh, carbuncles, chili ban- uh, chiblands. This is so hard to say. These words are so confusing. I gotta tell you. Uh, cholera, then the opposite page says something uh, that's other, like another one about the hawk and the wolf. Yeah, you can continuing catch on from it, like copied pages in just to like make it seem thicker than it was. So yeah, there's also a page called "Powers of Witchcraft: Eternal Life." <laughs> I really want a replica of this book. I think it'd be really fun. So this says, um, "If I command the moon, it will come down." And if I wish to withhold, uh, withhold the day, night will linger over my head. And again, if I wish to embark on the sea, <laughs> I need to. Uh, I need no ship. And if I wish to fly through the air, I will find from my weight. She undertakes thy by thy uh, station to give power at will. Will will. Three Sorry, times trying to say thine thrice. It's. It's kind of a habit to say things in like threes. Like I sneeze and I sneeze in threes. Technically, that means I'm supposed to marry a leprechaun, but I didn't. They have to uh-huh. hear you first. It's okay. You're right. Okay. Cool. So we're safe. Um. Yeah. Three is just like a good round number to do stuff in. I repeat it's, myself it is, in threes for sure. I do too. Um. But yeah. So that's like. The stuff you can find in the spell book from when she's flipping through it if you pause it at the right spots. 
Um, when she turns poor Thackeray into a Binksy cat, it sounds like the perfect thing that you would say, or the perfect spell uh, to use pre-yoga um, or like pre-sex if you're really getting funky with it. Um, Got but they twist say, those bones and bend that back. Yeah, jump back, twist the bones and bend the. We should wrap it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wiggle, we do not wiggle. disgrace that spell with a rap. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then trim him of his belly fat. I definitely go to yoga for that. It's his baby fat. Baby, baby fat. What did I say? Be- belly fat. <laughs> same thing. It's all located in the same spot. Um, give him fur. Black is black. Just like this. This. Oh. It's so good. I'm so, literally just going to go watch this movie again because... I want to be a cat. <laughs> Turn me into a cat. This is a movie with cats, you guys. Well, a cat. Binks is the shit. I used to have a, I used to have a cat named Binks. She was cute. I rescued her from under my uh, husband's old front porch. Um, and I hope she went to a good home. Um, so then there's the hanging curse. So they say, Thrice I will mercury purify and spit upon the twelve tables. <laughs> And I think maybe this might be a stretch, but I think the 12 tables is referring to the Roman laws called the 12 tables, which was some his laws created when they were having a lot of class issues between the upper and the lower class. Um, it was meant to kind of like bring about some sort of like justice system so they would stop bickering so much. Uh, but they, bickering. It's kind of like, like the Ten Commandments, um, but really fucking dark and messed up. So, for example, Lovely. table four is a dreadfully deformed child shall be qu- quickly killed. If a father sells his son three times, the son shall be free. A child born ten months after his father's death cannot claim an inheritance. Which Bummer. is saying that mom fucked another guy and that's why he was born ten months instead of nine months. But okay, yeah. Um, table five says females should remain in guardianship even when they have attained their age of majority. So basically, women can never be an independent, autonomous person or own anything or be anything other than a wife and a mother. So gross, yeah. So I'm glad that they spit on those. I spit on those too. <laughs> so yeah, um, they have uh, after they. Sorry, oh, I was gonna no, say, you they, go. You they got had this. some other ones that like made sense and are carried on today. Um, like you can't bribe the judicial system and stuff like that. But then there was these right. ones, so <laughs> you know. Why why not cut them out? They're a little out of fucking place. Jesus Christ. I can't imagine the world like that, although it's anyways. <laughs> so after they invoke this curse, uh the book opens and flips past a page that says Manual of Witchcraft and Alchemy. Pause oh. for just a second. Okay. Uh-uh. All right. We. Okay. Sorry for that. We good to pause. go. Okay. Yes. Continue. That's okay. Uh. So after they invoke this curse, the book opens and flips past a page that says "Manual of Witchcraft and Alchemy," which is also the first page of the book that's shown later in the film. Uh, there's also a page that says spells to resurrect the dead and it stops on the black uh, black flame candle spell which is what she does um 
On All Hallows' Eve, when the moon is around, a virgin will summon the, uh, thee from under the ground. Then she says something in Latin, uh, which is the tuba miramest, I believe. And then and, uh, the next page said, Magician's Packs. And it says, To summon demons under one of the nine divine and mystic names. And then it just lists a bunch of names that are used in different Bibles and like biblical ways to reference God or like something like that. So you summon a demon by saying God. It's a little weird. Um, and that's not supposed to be there in the notes. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> On that note, we're going to jump to some of the behind the, behind the scenes things, starting with filming locations, you know, like, like the house that I was talking about earlier and stuff. Um, which is real, and I'm still jealous of the people that live there. <laughs> Witch's Cottage. Uh, Hooked on Houses reported that the set director, Rosemary Brandenburg, revealed, We built the interior and exterior of the graveled house based on an out, uh, amount. Uh, Amalgam. I just literally have, like, the worst being part in the world, and I could not get those letters in the right place. Amalgam of the 17th century New England domestic architecture, such as the House of Seven Gables, uh, which is on stage at the Disney Studios. The House of the Seven Gables is a kind of like a gothic novel. That's um, It's pretty interesting. I read it for a literature class. Uh, oh, okay. It's like a, supposed to be like this really gothic, creepy looking house. So mm -hmm. it's huge. It has seven gables. This, that is pretty big. <laughs> uh, there was a cottage that was actually recreated to look like the like theirs in Danver, Massachusetts, which was listed for an Airbnb uh, ahead of the release date of the movie that I pretend doesn't fucking exist in this world, Hocus Pocus 2. I wanted to do that Airbnb. <laughs> we we reported on that at work, and everybody was like, hey, look, if I had the fucking money, I'd be out of here in a heartbeat to go do that. But that was... I just didn't have money to do that. They put a lot of work into that house. It looked amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, there, it, it was also read somewhere that there was a house that the cottage is based off of. Uh, it's on a private residence located at... at should I give the address? It's <laughs> People going to run over. So it doesn't matter. Oh, okay. It's located at 4 Ocean Avenue in Salem and dates all the way back to 1870. So it's gonna, it's gonna look real pretty right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's just like what they use because some of this was done in studio and some of this was filmed in Massachusetts. So I'm not sure right. if they just used that house as like a background piece for like scanning things, um, like scanning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sweeping ones, shots or what? It's a little confusing. Yeah. Uh, Allison's colonial home is a real mansion. It is dating back to the 1720s, and it's called Ropes Mansion. Uh, it's it's a pretty cool house. It's located at 318 Essex Street in McIntyre Historic in the McIntyre um, Historic District in Salem, Massachusetts. The uh, quote unquote the house was built for Samuel Bernard, a merchant, in. 1768 judge nathaniel ropes jr purchased the house from bernard's nephew 
The Ropes family then inhabited the house until 1907 when the house was given to the trustees of the Ropes Memorial for public benefit. I think it's just a colonial home for uh, like a museum walkthrough kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And then my dream home. You know that question, like what home would you ever like want to live in from a movie? This is the first home I think of. <laughs> practical magic go fuck yourself <laughs> that too but sadly that wasn't a real house fun hocus, fact uh, no hocus, hocus pocus <laughs> charmed i really like the house in charmed oh yeah yeah and that is a that is a real house too anyways max and danny's home back to my dream home uh it's known as the edward p balcom cottage it's uh 100 and it's 1,305 square foot home and was built in 1870. It's located at 4 Ocean Avenue in Salem. No, that's that's the same address as... Uh... Nate, we'll just say then that this address that we said earlier for the cottage was not real and it was actually referring to this house and that it was a mistype. Yeah, so this house is located at 4 o- uh, Ocean Avenue in Salem uh, and this house... Uh, it it's just an old painting or uh in the house of itself there's an old painting of the house i can't um, find if they made that painting specifically for the film or i think it was a legitimate historical painting of the house and that they found it um and included it in the house i i like to think that that's a that's a great great way of looking at it but uh, the graveyard that they actually filmed at is also a real spot, which is located at short drive. Well, just located a short drive from Salem. I'm throwing things and at my desk. Oops. To be <laughs> clear, they didn't film in the graveyard. The graveyard scene no. was built in studio, but the outside the gates and everything is a real graveyard. When when Sarah's hanging on the gate yeah. and swinging, and then they form the calming circle just outside before the bus comes. There's no and better place off. to form a calming circle than outside a grave. Right. So the most the most calm place in the world. I was actually <laughs> just Googling the other day what the difference is between a graveyard and a cemetery. It's just I thought they were the same thing. No. I think if it's a cemetery, it's considered like a religious ground. Like it's owned by oh. a religious ground. And if it's a graveyard, it's just like a regular dumping site. But um, I think I those are the differences. Uh, you remember the drive down to Grand Junction and how there's that graveyard or or cemetery that has it has that white sign when you're going through the canyon um, to Price. Uh, it's called Mill. Oh, what is it? The Mill Word Cemetery or something. Uh, it's oh fuck, what was it called? Or it's I don't know. It's called the Mill Mill Fork. Mill Fork. But we passed it our entire lives, and I had, yeah, Millfork Cemetery, and I had always wanted to go up there and see it, but we never did, and uh, so finally, Andy and I, on our way home from Lost Lands, we went up there. It's a really cool uh, little place that has a bunch of, fam- like, a family that was uh, buried there, and it has a whole, like, history story that's, like, posted up there that you can read about and sign, like, a thing that you were there and you came by to visit. It's really cool. I I was kind of excited that we finally stopped after 28 years of driving past it. <laughs> That's really neat that they kind of like not celebrate, but like they 
anticipate people coming and visiting and mm-hmm. instead of just like locking it off like a lot of places do um they they give you an opportunity to like become a part of it in a smart yeah. way because you're preventing the want for people to uh, vandalize by giving them a place to sign it because people are fucking idiots right. um, yeah which is one of the problems i think in like new orleans they closed like the big lafayette cemetery and the famous ones because people keep yeah you can only doing stuff in there you can only do tours to go now yeah so uh, it's neat that they found a way to probably alleviate some of those pressures and issues that they had Mm -hmm. but yeah anywho um so some other random these are going to be like really random just background stuff that i found um that are in no specific order or rhyme or reason so there are three versions of the book that were used there was one with the eyes closed one with the eye open and then one that had uh, a remote control eye sorry i think my cat's probably in the hallway now um, each witch had three versions for the costume because they needed to be able to adjust them to fly. Uh, uh, they had them like altered in different ways for the rigging to fit and look normal and look good with the floating and the motions and everything. Uh, there were multiple real cats and animatronic cat animatronic cats to fill in for Binks. There were two different voices for Thackeray and Binks. I did not know that. Um, Thackeray is the actor that you see, and Binks is a totally different actor. Um, yeah. But they did a good job voice matching, I thought. Now that- it is it is slightly different, and you can hear it, especially now that you know. I think as but- I said, now that I know, I will never not hear it. But I did not yeah. know. So. Um, the boy who played... Sorry, I just backtracked in my notes. Okay. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, after this movie was filmed and everything, she was on some sort of like TV show or a podcast. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. Um, but she did something <laughs> where they helped go through your ancestry. Um, and she learned that she had an ancestor named Esther Elwell of Gloucester, Gloucester, I don't know, Massachusetts. Um, she was arrested during the Salem Witch Trials. After being accused by a 17-year-old, the teenager asserted that Esther had caused a woman named Mary harm by choking and squeezing her. When Mary died of an unrelated illness, they said that, yes, Esther's a witch. She clearly did that. And Esther and two other women were arrested for witchcraft based off these claims. However, Esther went free because I think it ended, um, and she lived to be 82 years old. So that was kind of like a Hell fun yeah. thing for her to learn later. Um, and at the time of filming, I was trying to figure out how many pumpkins they used on set because mm-hmm. they had decorated a whole street basically. Right. Um, yeah. but all I could find was they talked about how they had purchased a bunch of pumpkins during Halloween time, but that's not necessarily when they filmed. And so they were like trying to store them until they started filming the following year. But of course they were like, he said they looked okay, but you would pick them up and they would just like fall out of the box. They were so rotten. So they were having to scrounge and find pumpkins. And then they happened upon a freeze dried pumpkin 
company, which is really common now, but it wasn't something that was really done back then. So they blew a lot of their budget money on pumpkins because <laughs> they had to rebuy pumpkins. Fair. Uh, I still have a pumpkin. I have still have like two or three pumpkins from my wedding that have not rotted or anything. Yeah, there's like a... If, if you don't mess with them, uh, like if you don't cut them, they stay intact really well, but if you cut them, they rot because of all the oxygenation and everything. I I have a pumpkin that's like petrified. I don't exactly know what the fuck happened, but we bought it. We got it. It was a warty pumpkin, and now it's it's like wood. Like you can knock on it. Like it's not rotten. It's hard. It 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 like petrified itself. That's really. But it's fucking cool. It sits outside of our it sits outside of our apartment. We've had it for like two years now. It's magic, and you should pass it down through generations. I bequeath to you my petrified pumpkin. Boom, just like that. They're like, I would rather have money. Do you have money? <laughs> yeah, please. Um, there's also a deleted scene where Mary tried to kidnap a kid from a grocery store, but I think it was deemed I... too dark, and so they <laughs> took it out. I can only imagine what that. So Kenny Ortega describes it and he says that uh, it's a mom with a kid in a grocery cart and then she like steps away to grab something and Mary runs up and just starts like running with it and I picture it in my head and I'm dying of laughter. Yes. And obviously she doesn't get away with it. She gets, in my head she like trips or just like shoves it and it goes somewhere. Yeah. But um, yeah. Yeah. He said that there's a lot of deleted takes that he would have loved to have kept in that were the three witches um improvising improvising but Uh because it's a disney movie it had to be 90-ish minutes they had to cut so much out um he also had hopes that it would become he still hopes that it would become a broadway musical um i don't know how i feel about that I think it could be done justice if they don't try and change the storyline and do weird stuff. Um, I And then he also had ideas for a spinoff that never obviously happened. But, yes. But yeah, that's that. That's all the behind the scenes stuff that I could find for the 1993 one. Of course, if you Google it now, all you find are stuff for Hocus Pocus 2 because... It has a lot of callbacks to the original, but we're not going to talk about that movie right now. So, theories. So, I have a theory, and I didn't see this repeated anywhere, so I'd like to think this is a an original. <laughs> but I have a theory that the witches keep their cottage hot as hell, which is a comfortable temperature for them, because that's where they've been living. Um, <laughs> because every time the like teenagers are in there, they are all sweating profusely and the witches are not, they look beautiful. Uh, there's also a line where Winnie says like, I can feel the icy cold breath of death upon my neck. And so I think being cold makes them feel like death. And so they don't want to be cold ever, which is why it's feel- also, also when she loses the book. So they're, they won't get any children. So, yeah, I think that they keep their cottage super fucking hot. It must be like hell. Um, there's a theory. 
I thought it was original theory, but then I Googled and apparently it's the biggest fucking theory everyone has. <laughs> that, oh, okay. <laughs> that Allison is the descendant of a real witch. Um, so there's a part where Winifred says... Uh, he Quite she, a little white witch. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she's like pretty... Allison's pretty intuitive about what's happening um, and figures stuff out really fast. Well, and she's, she, you see it in the, or you learn about it in the beginning of the movie. Like, her mom worked at the the cottage. She knows a lot about the Sanderson sisters. And so, like, there's, she already knows a lot of their history to kind of go off of that in a way, I guess. Um, yeah. So, there's theories about that, too. But, mm-hmm. uh, so, I did Google it. And Allison's last name is Watts. And in the original Salem settlement during the Salem witch trials, there was a person named Jeremiah Watts. So I think that the reason she lives in a big fancy home is because it's like old home. (laughs) Sorry. It's bedtime. I love love this so much. (laughs) You you can't see this, but, but Ripley is just loving loving on Izzy and in the middle of her trying to talk and it is hilarious precious Uh I love it okay I'm gonna backtrack a little bit so Allison is the descendant of a witch their home is like the big beautiful colonial home because it's been passed down because it's like old money original founder of Salem kind of an idea the Mm -hmm. party that her parents have every year is like they're all wearing like white wig old school royalty garb which I think is meant to signify and celebrate like the founding families, which in movies and stuff is always like the rich people. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's also like, this is random, but there's a little bit of like classism in this film because you see the really rich people at this lavish party at this house. And then the rest of the townsfolk are just like having the fucking partying in that fucking. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, But anyways, yeah. So there was a man named Jeremiah Watts uh, in the original Salem, Massachusetts, 1693 settlement. And he owned lot number 67, which was not this house. Obviously, this house was built in the 1700s. But um, he wrote a letter a few years before the trial started, from which he's most often quoted, because he talks about how like neighbors are fighting neighbors and everyone's bickering and bitching at each other. Um, so that's like quoted a lot for saying how like times were leading into the witch trials. So there's that. Um, there's also Allison's red coat when you first kind of meet her in Max. She puts up the hood and it's pointed like a witch hat, like the cloaks that the other witches are wearing. Um, she's the only one who has that kind of a thing. Yes. This is this is the hood of my cardigan, which is which is it is pointed. Yeah, it's got that kind of hat on it. Um, I think that's meant to signify she's a witch. There's part of this theory is that Allison's family was charged as, that somebody else has come up with, sorry, that Allison's family was charged as protectors of the cottage after the three were hanged. And this duty was passed down through the generations, which is why her mother ended up running the museum that became that the, the cottage turned into. Um, another piece of this theory, which could also be like its own theory, not necessarily that she's a witch, uh, 
is that Allison was so enthralled by the witches and having grown up around them as her mother ran the museum that she wanted the Sanderson sisters to be brought back and that she actually tricked Max into going to the museum to see if it worked, to see if like the black flame candle worked. But she'd be screwed if she didn't know that he was a virgin. I think it was a fair assumption. I mean, you know. (laughs) And uh, the other like thing to that could also be that if it was like her family through the generations has been charged with sorry um uh what am i trying to say (laughs) has been charged with like keeping track of this place um she would want it to just end so she wanted someone to light it so that she could end the curse and then move on like their family could move on okay uh but i don't know i I don't really care about any of those theories i don't think she tricked them i don't think it was part of it um, there's also a YouTube video floating around that says in an earlier version of the script, Allison was a descendant of a good witch named Elizabeth Podbury, who was eaten by the Sanderson sisters before they got hanged. I, I want to believe that's true. <laughs> um, Elizabeth comes up later. So remember that. And it's canon. It's canon. In, in interviews with cast and crew, it has been confirmed that Allison was meant to be a witch. Uh, what's his name? Ortega. The spinoff that he wanted was actually showing that Allison was a witch. Um, so that was all part of it. They tried to hint that she was a witch, not only through that line, but she wore like a witchy pendant. And her sweater had a like a leather twine thing going through it that was woven into it. And it was meant to be like part of a protection spell kind of a thing oh i'm getting like a rash I'm itchy okay um but yeah so that's the allison is a witch theory i'm okay i like it yeah i think she's definitely a witch sure um another theory is that winifred had planned to leave her sisters behind this whole time and take all the immortals potion for herself so here's where that i one. mean powers. <laughs> Yes. Tis time. But yes. So the first time they used it uh, in 1693, she had to share the soul with her sisters. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't think she got as young as she had wanted to based off the part where she's like, well, younger. Not necessarily like, I look young. I just look younger. Um, But it's a start. Sorry. Perfect. I could quote this movie all day. Loved it. After this, Katie will reenact the whole video for you. <laughs> <laughs> word for word. Um, but yeah, so she didn't get as young as she had hoped. So uh, when she started brewing the potion the second time after they were brought back, she tends to say things like my soul or my child or something like that. Or, the soul is for me. Uh, before quickly correcting to our or we. So mm-hmm. she also is the only one to bite her tongue and spit it in in the remake version. Um, and her sisters don't get an opportunity. So there's no promise that even if they did try, they would get any of the soul because their parts aren't in it. Um, nor did she really care to be like, hey, quick, spit in it. Uh, but there was like a lot of kerfuffle going on. So... 
Um, she also tells Max that he is being stupid for risking his own life to save his sisters, implying that she is not willing to do the same. So, yeah. She's definitely, like, there's definitely moments where you can see that she's selfish and she wants to live. Um, but the other thing is she could be thinking, like, if as long as one of us lives, I can bring my sisters back. So. That's fair. There's that. But her and Mary are very quick to, like, push Sarah into the Black River. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. There's a pecking order, for sure. It's fun! Um, and then another theme for this film is, like, sibling love that's shown throughout. So Thackeray and Emily, their relationship is mirrored in Max and uh, Danny. Danny. They are good siblings that are willing to sacrifice themselves for each other. Meanwhile, Winifred is so, like, self-absorbed with her lust for power and immortality that she's willing to sacrifice her sisters in order to get that. So that's why she lost. Because the Disney of it all. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've got for theories. I really couldn't find a lot. It's really hard to Google stuff right now because everything is so dominated by the second film. Um, also, I don't think when this movie was big, it was like a... It wasn't a time for people to nitpick movies and do theories and stuff like that. So, right. There's that. Um, did you have any like extra theories? Anything special? I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember. I used to. I had something, and it it left my head, and I've been trying. Like that's why I look like I'm spaced out. Is I'm trying to remember what it was, and I can't. Uh, so if I do, I will let you know. And, uh, but the moment. I can't think of that theory. There's one article that was listing just a bunch of like plot lines or plot holes that they didn't like, mm-hmm. um, which weren't really even plot holes. But one of them was that they thought it was weird that Binks, his part of the spell immediately reversed upon the death of the witches, but uh, Billy did not immediately like. Uh, his went yeah he reversed. he took his time to go back yeah so. I don't have a good theory for that other than like it's magic so well I also I also think that uh Binks had been thrown off Winifred threw Binks off he hit the gravestone he looked like he was already hurt so I'm wondering if that had a factor into the the quickness of her falling to the grounds compared to like him re re reliving reliving himself so uh, he was as already- we dead yeah because like the part finished so right exactly while he was like in the process of maybe like reviving or something and so therefore it just kind of ended the other answer is it could have just he finished his ninth life so that yeah happened um yeah i think for him specifically he had a purpose and his purpose was the curse yeah um, he wanted to to either stop it from happening or be there to guide them through it to make sure that they don't take over that the other thing could have been that he was linked to emily's soul and once they died and emily's soul was like released um oh that's an idea he could also be released so i think there's like you could come up with tons of different ideas for that oh easy um but they did announce that they are doing a third hocus pocus and it is in the works 
There are no details about a release date, the storyline, uh, but all three of the Sanderson sisters say they are game for it. Um, K- Katie is shaking her head. <laughs> I, it's either I stay silent about all of this situation, like all of this shit right now, or like I go the fuck off and blow up. I, I was crying at the end of Hocus Pocus 2 with anger. Like it wasn't, it wasn't crying because of happiness, because it was made. No, it was fucking anger of how much I think that they ruined what I, the best creation ever in my eyes. And so I, uh, it's it's either complete resentment or silence at this point for me to talk about that. Um, I didn't love it because they they just made it so like wholesome and disney and the original is a lot darker and i liked that part of they it they made it so fucking disney that winifred's all fucking nice fuck that F- fuck that but i there's a lot i liked about it and then there's a lot i didn't like about it just like every movie but i definitely think they they changed the basis of the sanderson sisters a little bit too much it, to make it wholesome and loving and everything but um Real quick, there is, I just want to see which one you think. So there's a website that has theories about how the Sanderson sisters can return in Hocus Pocus 3 because apparently dying a second time. My thing is like, if you're going to make another one, stop killing them. Like, don't keep killing them and saying like, oh, they're finally dead because they just keep coming back. Drives me nuts. But that's why they're the ultimate villains is because they keep coming back like Michael and Jason. (laughs) God. Anyways, okay, so here's some ideas that someone has. Um, so number seven, there's seven theories. Just say, Jesus Christ. Just say yes or no if you think it's a good theory. Okay, the Sanderson sisters return because the book brings them back. No. Good. I also hate She controls the book. I hate it that they made the book good. The book is literally yeah, fuck a that. gift from the devil. It's not a good book. That was one of the things that they changed that they shouldn't have. Um, Number two, a new black flame candle brings the Sanderson sisters back. From where? How was it created? How do they have a second one? There was never a spell to create that black flame candle in the first place. So, no. He created a black flame candle in the second movie. That's how they got back. I don't know, and I don't like that theory at all. (laughs) I don't think they're going to do that again. So, been done. Um, a rival coven summons the Sanderson sisters. If they're rivals, then why would they do that? I don't know if it means rivals to the Sanderson sisters or rivals to the the girls. I don't like it either way. I'm going to go no. Um, Becca's coven needs the Sanderson sisters' help. Uh, no. I can- well, actually, with how dumb and fucking... Dumb, they fucking made it. Sure, yeah. They'll help you now that they're all good in this bullshit world of them trying to originally kill children. Sure, believe that. Yeah, I was gonna say, I could see that one being a possibility. If you're going off the original, no, that would never happen. But, um, sorry, I, but that would have to be feelings. There's an even bigger bad that I don't know what it would be. So the other one is the mother witch brings the Sanderson sisters back. I'm just going to veto that one right now. Yeah, no. Um, this one we'll talk about more in depth, but Max and Allison's daughter summons the Sanderson sisters. 
can be fucking fine with that. That's what I was wanting in this fucking sequel. I wanted the original cast. I wanted to see Danny growing up. I wanted to see the kids of Alex and Al or fucking Max and Allison. But no, you're just gonna bring in all this whole fucking bullshit about s no. Hmm. They had so many feelings. Talked so bringing Allison much anger back to be a teacher, um, in this film. But I think she said no. I don't know for sure, but that was something they talked about. I kind of like that theory because there's a book that we'll talk about after this um, that matches the book. And the other option is that it will be a prequel and bring back the three little girls from the beginning. Which I could see them doing, eh. but I hope they don't. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, okay. So those are your options for number three. And, okay, so let's talk about this book. For the 25th anniversary, they did write a book. It's called Hocus Pocus, the all-new sequel. It was published in 2018, and it starts with the first film, and then it segues into 25 years later for the second half of it. Um, and so for the second half of it, the 25 years later part, it follows the daughter of Allison and Max. Her name is Poppy hate it but that's the name i gave her <laughs> yep. and she goes on to fight the sanderson sisters so to start um the reviews say that it does give a lot more detail about the original movie that's kind of lacking because they had to cut stuff uh, so mm. it provides more background that emily and thackeray were being like haunted for months by the sanderson sisters prior to them being like selected to be chosen um, which is kind of a neat detail. Um, it wasn't so impulsive. Like they were, they had thought it out. They were working on it. Uh, they had been having dreams about the woods where the Sanderson house was located. And then Emily started hearing Sarah's song and decided to follow it. And we know everything that happens from there. Cool. Have you read it? Um, I'm not all the way finished with it, but I, yeah, I, I have it. It's right here. Flipping, flipping through the pages. Neat. So yeah, that's how it starts. Um, and then she would, Emily wasn't afraid of the sisters because she would run into them in town and they would like compliment her and be like, you're such a sweet girl and blah, 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 blah. So that explains some of that backstory. But then we'll skip to the 25 years later. So this is what it says happens. There's a fourth Sanderson sister. Her name was Elizabeth. Elizabeth separated herself from her three sisters, went on, had a kid, um, and tried to live like a normal life. But she was hanged because of her acquaintance to the three Sanderson sisters anyways. There's a girl in Poppy's class who is the great descendant of Elizabeth, and she wakes up one Halloween to find Winifred's book on her bed. So the teens use a Ouija board, don't use a Ouija board, and recite a spell <laughs> from the book which brings back the Sanderson sisters. They went And everything, any, any incantation with a question mark so it doesn't happen. Yes, and mispronounce it all. <laughs> yes. Um, so they want to complete a spell that will grant them immortality. That's the Sanderson sisters' goal. On top of that, they want to swap souls for all the witches in hell um, with, I'm assuming, the teenagers in the town. I don't really know. Mm -hmm. uh, but they want to create a super coven to rule the world. 
The witches need three things to accomplish this because thrice, 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 right? Um, they always. need Winnie's spellbook, of course, the blood moonstone, and souls to trade. So no one knows where the blood moonstone is. It's said that Elizabeth's family had it and it got passed out of generations and was hidden. So the ghosts of Elizabeth, Thackeray, and Emily help the teens mm-hmm. find the moonstone and destroy it to reverse a spell and kill the Sanderson sisters because one of them got turned into a dog. Not the Sanderson's, but one of the teens got turned into a dog. Nice. Um, but yeah, that's like the, the storyline. There, there's a so in the book uh, when it goes to part two, which is kind of cool. Uh, there's a picture of what I assume to be the Sanderson's house, but it also has a note from Elizabeth that says, "I accept my fate, though you know not why. You, all of you, despise me for things you believe me to have done, and yet I know the greatest mark upon my soul was doing nothing at all." It says November fifth, uh, sixteen ninety three. Last words as recorded in the journal of Samuel Paris. So, yeah. They even have a map. They even have a map. So they did end up tying in the original script, which was Allison being a descendant of Elizabeth. They brought Elizabeth into the book. Why they deviated so far from the book, I'm not sure. But whatever. Um, Yeah. So I think that's like a pretty decent storyline. So Um, If they had just, just kept it to... I would have been happy with them doing the book, like, sequel. Like, I would have been happy with that, but that's that that's that's not what happened at all. I wanted to see... Okay. I wanted to see the full original cast. That's what I wanted. Yeah, I was really sad that Allison and Max weren't there, and Danny. I really wanted to see Danny, how Danny grew up. Yeah, because they're all still um, doing stuff, I'm pretty sure. But, um, like I said, there's things I didn't like about it. I don't hate it. I, I didn't love it. It made me laugh. There were definitely parts where I was laughing really hard. All of the parts where the witches were, like, trying to figure out the world. And, like, when they go to Walgreens and stuff, I was dying. But, yeah. Anyways, so some of my favorite quotes besides, what a glorious morning makes me sick. Um, she mm-hmm. says, whenever it says, oh, cheese and crust. I'm like. Yes. Was that, like, a common phrase back then? <laughs> well, uh, she. Um, I think I think it was their way of not swearing. <laughs> I just think it was funny that that's what she went with. They could have picked, like, anything biblical or, like, just old-timey, mm-hmm. but they went with cheese and crust. It's perfect. Um, she says, odds bodkins, which means, um, sorry, which is a phrase that was used to express, like, surprise or to put emphasis on something. So, like, being like, ah, fuck. They would say, ah, <laughs> odds bodkins. Yeah, there you go. And then I never noticed until this last time I watched it that when they're walking, they call it Hag's Tracks. Yeah. I never noticed that before. Yeah, man. I I mean, all of everything is quotable from this movie, but those are just things that I picked out this time that made me giggle. So. I always, lo- I lo- always love her phase, or her phrase, I've always wanted a child. Boost. <laughs> yeah, it's just, that's a line that's always stuck in my head, and I have always loved it. And that's all we have. That's our film. Hocus Pocus. Um, sorry for anybody that likes Hocus Pocus too. Um, I'm kind of a traditionalist when it comes to this movie. And I think they fucking massacred it. Um, 
and I pretend that it was never created and does not exist in my life. There's only one Hocus Pocus out there. It is the original from 1993. Um, uh, and unless they decide to make a sequel about the actual, like, book sequel, uh, there's there's only one in my eyes. Even Even though it has the original sisters, I am utterly heartbroken. I legit was crying in pure anger at the end of that movie. And I don't think I've ever done that with a movie before. So, um, just a lot of emotions of not liking the second one. I suggest that Katie forms a calming circle <laughs> anytime this I, sh- I sure as fuck need one when it comes to that movie. You bet. You, you bet. Alright, well, I need to make some hags tracks and go to bed, so. So, on that note, uh, we gotta do it. We gotta gotta tell them what, what where to find us. So we're gonna do a thirty minute episode that's gonna come out soon. We're also hoping to s- get this Patreon up and going in December. Um, we haven't picked our next movie. We'll do hints for that one. People really guessed real quick what this film was <laughs> from our Instagram. Um, well, the uh, it's. It's a common as fuck movie. Everybody knows this thing. The which, if you want to play along on those games and see all of our updates, our Instagram and Facebook are horror underscore cats underscore witch hats. And if you have a recommendation for our next movie, uh, which can be Thanksgiving or Christmas themed, if you'd like, isn't there like a new Thanksgiving? called thanksgiving it's based off of a quentin tarantino movie trailer that was in one of his movies (laughs) um if you have recommendations you can dm us or send it to our email uh the email is horrorcatswitchhats at gmail.com just just all one word all 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 together no spaces um we have merchandise that we sell on an etsy page called open past midnight feel free to check that out uh if you send us a recommendation and you want something off the etsy page let us know and i will send you a coupon um we are yeah we're trying to do big things we're trying to get better trying to make things happen um our Hopefully our link with Wine and Crime was just like the beginning of fun things that we're going to be doing. So, yeah. Yes. Also, I want to see your grimoire, sh- grim, grimoire, can't say that word, grimoire. Book photos. of Shadows, grimoires, what you got, send them over. I want to, yeah. Yeah. Give us some ideas to add to our grimoires. I didn't mean to show that picture. That wasn't what I thought it was. <laughs> It was supposed to be a gift and it didn't work. <laughs> and on that note, meow, meow, meow. I have to do it in, like super low tone in order for it to kill, like actually get it properly. That's Katie putting a spell on you to go pet your meow. Meow. Yeah, there you go.